Welcome to a game of two halves, the blue corner. Today we're here for the Tottenham preview. How are you doing, Ollie? I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. I'm I'm missing Everton a little bit. I can't lie. Yeah, I'm a bit bored of the international break already. What are we like five, six days into it? But yeah, I just want Everton back. To be honest, how are you? I'm good, mate. I'm still buzzing about the Chelsea result, but of course, yeah, I just want to see us play again. I, I do miss it when we have so many days off like this. But we've not been free from news, have we? Oh, <laughs> when are we ever free from news as Everton fans? When are we ever free? Yeah, there was a a little news story came out last night about an FFP breach. I don't know if you want to shed a bit more light on that. Well, we've allegedly breached um, profit and sustainability rules. So we've been referred to an independent commission for allegedly breaching the profit and sustainability rules. Obviously, nothing is concrete yet. The club deny it and the club believe that we've been open and transparent with the Premier League, which is what we both thought, didn't we? We thought for the last two years that the Premier League have been marking our homework, so to speak. So I was quite surprised by it, were you? I was a little bit surprised. I was a little bit worried as well at first because, you know, you see these big news stories about points deductions and, and fines and transfer embargoes, and you do start to worry that, what effect is that going to have on the rest of our season in a relegation battle where, you know, every point matters for Sean Dyche and the team at the moment. So, yeah, I was a little bit worried. And I was also a little bit surprised as well because last season we only spent £1.7 in the summer transfer window on Damari Gray and Andros Townsend. So for them to, to get to the point where we've had no money spent on the team and the team's actually in a worse position than when all the money came in, it was a little bit of a, a strange situation to see. But listen... We've, we've seen the allegations. We can only just wait for the process to take its place now and, and just see what the ramifications are after the process. And the key comparison is obviously Manchester City, who have been involved in big alleged breaches as well themselves. And I think the Premier League have got a big decision to make here if the independent commission does come back and say we've done something wrong. Because if they try and make an example out of Everton, then surely they have to do that to Manchester City too. Oh yeah, 100%. I feel like... It's one of those situations where both teams are, are probably in the wrong and, and both teams have got a situation where if they're not punished, then the other team will be sort of complaining. So the, the two uh, situations, I think, are very symbiotic of each other, where both teams will either escape punishment or face punishment from the Premier League. And I'm not too worried at the minute because... Everton back themselves, Everton believe that they've not done anything wrong and we know that these complaints stemmed from two clubs who were quite wanting to get us in trouble, Leeds and Burnley last year. This all stemmed from those complaints and when you think about it, they had a horse in the race at the time, they wanted Everton to get punished because of being in the relegation battle, they wanted us to get a points deduction so you can see why perhaps it might have come from a rogue area as well and maybe we are doing everything fine. Yeah, 100%. And I feel like they have to investigate any allegation which is thrown. They have to give any allegation due course to to sort of see if there is any breach. So I don't blame the Premier League for, for investigating us because our finances haven't been the best over the over the years. And, and obviously, we, us as fans know that we haven't spent money the best because of the money that we spent on figure-wise, the, the output on the pitch hasn't been the greatest. We, we can all admit that. So, yeah, I, I do feel like Leeds and Burnley may have had a case to sort of investigate it but yeah the Premier League just have to, to go off what they've heard and yeah just I was reading on Sky Sports last night that the the process will take a while so it's probably important for Everton fans now not just to panic straight away and just let the, let the process take its place and if it does come to the point where we are found guilty then we kind of just have to all pull together and just take the points deduction and, and drag this team over the line once again. 
Yeah, and we, yeah, we were kind of expecting something like that because of the amount of spending we've had and the, the amount of managers we've had in recent years. But I just really hope that we get away with it this time or we're not guilty and we can move on because we don't want any more like trouble facing the club anymore. You know, we just want to move forward now with Sean Dyke. We want to stay in the Premier League and build on that, don't we? Yeah, and I feel like the last few results have sort of changed the mood a little bit around Everton Football Club and, and the tides are changing that we're, we're playing more positive football, we're getting more positive results on the pitch and yeah, it does sort of beg the, beg the question whether this will change the mood around the camp because players will be thinking, are we in financial fair play trouble? Am I even going to be a Premier League club next season even if I put all my effort into keep Everton in the Premier League? So I think it may change the mood a little bit but the most important thing is as for Everton fans, we don't panic, we just keep doing our job, turning up week in, week out, supporting the lads and, and making sure we stay in this league. Definitely. So moving on to our next game, which is on a Monday night, still a few days away now, isn't it? We've got another week of having to wait to watch Everton, but we're hosting Tottenham at Goodison under the lights, 8pm. What are you thinking? Are you hopeful? Yeah, I'm hopeful. I am hopeful. I do think we can pull another surprise uh, result. We can do a little upset. Um but yeah, I do feel like Tottenham will come wanting revenge for what they've had in the last few weeks. They are not in the best of form. They've had manager troubles and it, we'll come on to Antonio Conte, the situation there in a minute. But yeah, I do feel like we can spring another upset because Sean Dyche will set us up in a way where we can actually get at big teams and, and make sure that we're in the game for the full 90 minutes. Yeah, and Tottenham haven't won a game away from home in five now in all competitions, so they're not doing the best away from home, and there's a lot going on at that club as well, isn't it? So you'd see it really from a neutral point as an ideal opportunity for Everton to go and take all three points. You know, we we get that atmosphere going on a, a night game at Goodison. We've been decent at home so far as well, and building off the back of that great point at Stamford Bridge. Like I think we could definitely give them a game, but there's... There's so many players to look out for, isn't there? Like, I'm particularly worried about Harry Kane. I'm sure you are too. I think I think we all are. I think every Everton fan will be worried about Harry Kane going into that game because he's just such a good goal scorer, isn't he? And he can he was almost similar to Lukaku back in the day in, in Lukaku's Everton days, where he could have a poor game and still end up with a hat trick. So he's just that type of player. And you also look at players like Kulisevsky, Son, even Richarlison. He, he probably would like to make a point and score at Goodison Park as much as he does love us. So. Spurs' attacking firepower is is really something to be be wary of. But I feel like if we set up well and, and keep our shape, I, I don't see any reason why we can't keep them out. I think the the big thing that could determine how the game goes is who's actually in the hot seat for Tottenham. There's been so much drama recently with Antonio Conte, hasn't there? Starting with his rant in the press conference after Southampton. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Neither could I. And it, it's one of those things where Spurs is like a club where you almost have you almost get a manager who's a puppet to Daniel Levy and one that sort of stays quiet and doesn't have much media attention and just gets on with the job quietly so to have a manager like Antonio Conte come out and and slander the board slander the players even slander himself and his in his staff that was it was really shocking to see I, I don't know what your thoughts were but I was certainly shocked I I always knew that Levy and Conte would clash because they both like it their own way, don't they? And we know that if Conte comes into a club, he wants control, he wants trust and he wants backing or he'll walk. He always said when he comes in, he won't change for anybody and he's here to make sure that he gets trophies for Tottenham. And he he says some things that are right in that press conference. You know, he says about how the club isn't used to winning and he called his players selfish, which is a big thing to say. But 
although he did say some things that are right, I half feel like it might have been an act of self-preservation because it seems as if he's got to a point now where he knows his position might be untenable. So he's almost trying to preserve his reputation above anything else. I feel like it was almost self-destruction in, in Conte's way because if I was Daniel Levy hearing those comments in the press, I, I wouldn't be keeping him in post, certainly, because what he said about the running of that club, that tarnishes everything that Daniel Levy's done for Spurs over the years, and it also brings an uprising in the fans because you've seen in in the last few days in on the media, you look at outlets like Talk Sport, they've had voices of Spurs fans actually criticising Daniel Levy and sort of taking the side of Antonio Conte. So... For that to happen, I don't think Daniel Levy would be best pleased. And I can't see Antonio Conte being in post by the time that uh, we come to play them at Goodison Park on Monday. And I also draw a few comparisons to Conte's time at Spurs to Mourinho. I feel like they're very similar managers in the sense that they want control, they want backing, and they also want sort of minimal board intervention. So for, for a manager like that, surely Daniel Levy would have learned his lesson once uh, after the sacking of Jose Mourinho. And going for a manager like Antonio Conte, I feel like was adding more fuel to the fire. I think we know why Levy has gone for them kind of managers because Tottenham, like Everton, are desperate for a trophy, aren't they? They need that silverware to give them the platform. But perhaps those last two managers are just not the right fit for Spurs. Do they really want a manager who is so controlling and is so much of a winner almost that he just takes over and... You know, you want winners at Tottenham because that's how you change the mentality. But when Conte hasn't been fully backed and obviously Tottenham fans aren't truly happy with the running of the club as well, then Conte's bound to be upset because he wants people to come in, back him to the hill so he can... Because Conte, we know Conte needs money, does need to work. Oh, 100%, yeah. And if he doesn't get what he wants, he kicks off. But I think he hasn't looked at himself in that rant there. He hasn't gone, well, what about me? So I'm coaching this team of good players. We're not always getting results we're losing to teams we probably shouldn't do why has he blamed everybody else but himself there for me that's why I think it's self-preservation yeah 100% and I feel like if he did stay in post now it would only be be worse for the whole club so I feel like come Monday night we will not have Antonio Conte on that touchline of Goodison so are you worried if Conte isn't there and instead you perhaps have Ryan Mason as an interim manager with a new injection of confidence and belief from the players that they've now had that weight of Conte lifted off the shoulders does that kind of change your expectations for the game no I don't think it does because I feel like Sean Dyche will have a plan regardless and I feel like going into that game there's a lot of confidence around Everton at the moment especially after the point at Stamford Bridge and the win against Brentford and even if you look further back to the win against Arsenal I feel like there's a lot of confidence amongst this squad now quite shockingly really to the position that we were in after the West Ham game in at the end of January under Frank Lampard so I feel like now, Everton will be going into that game with a lot of confidence and I feel like that doesn't change my opinion of how we will get on on Monday night. I feel like we'll still at least get a draw or even a win. And that's that's really, really like shocking to say because I wasn't confident at the end of January that we'd even stay up. And you can sort of look at my uh, comments from the last few weeks from these podcasts. I'm sort of getting slowly more positive. I've gone from my, from my pessimistic self to slowly getting more positive each week. It's great to see, isn't it? Because I feel like we are seeing signs of improvement. Definitely at home, but then the two most recent away performances, we've built on each one, haven't we? Obviously, Nottingham Forest was a good a good start in parts, but it wasn't perfect by no means. We really probably should have won that game. But then we travelled to Chelsea and we dealt with Chelsea really well. 
like obviously rode a bit of pressure in the first half and then really came into the game second half. And at home, you know, we've beat Arsenal under Sean Dyche. We've beat Brentford now as well, which was no mean feat, being 12 games unbeaten before that. So I think there's definite improvement there. It's absolutely clear to see that, that we have improved under Sean Dyche. So I'm also somewhat confident about it. If we're looking at the team, what would you do with that side now? Because there's a few conundrums for Dyche here. One conundrum is definitely the left-back situation. Do you swap Godfrey out for Mikolenko? And then the other conundrum is Damari Gray. Does he start up front again, or do you bring Sims in after his goal? Well, even obviously in the wake of the news this week from the bobble that we saw uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin was flying to Dubai for a, a warm weather training camp to try and regain his fitness after the international break. And, I feel like Dice will have a bit of a head-scratching situation where he doesn't know who he can play up front. I think Damari Gray is a good person to have up there because he's played Dice's number nine for the last three, four weeks now and, and he looks more reassured each week as, as the as the games go by. But Ellis Sims probably on a, a rich vein of confidence after his goal at Stamford Bridge. So there's definitely a, a question mark there of who starts. And I, I feel like you can't really demote Damari Gray down to winger because that won't really work in a Dice system. And also the, the left-back situation, which you touched on briefly before. Um, there's a worry with Ben Godfrey against Spurs that he'll be getting caught out of position and Son Kulisevsky will just run into Raggins and it'll almost dent his confidence as being a left-back. So I'd, I'd be a little bit more wary about playing Ben Godfrey at left-back against Spurs. I'd probably go with Vitaly Mikolenko because of that defensive um, edge that he offers you. Um but it's whether you drop Godfrey into centre-half or you keep him out of the team just for one game and just use Godfrey tactically in a game where you can be more open and get more attacking prowess from the full-back situations. Because, yeah, we know Ben Godfrey's an athlete, isn't he? He carries the ball forward. He can he can drive us forward, although he doesn't have a load of attacking quality. So I see what you mean by having him in there to be a bit more direct and in those games where you want to burst forward quickly, which you sometimes want to at home. But I think the way, when Mikalenko came on against Chelsea, he added balance to the team, didn't he? Having a left footer on that side is really important. And I think him being there, obviously he contributed to the goal for Sims. He was the one who played the pass in before Decore slipped it through. And yeah, I'd be bringing Mikalenko back in just for that balance. As for Damari Gray, I don't think you can drop him at the moment. And I completely agree. If you put him on that right side, for example, would he work as hard as a Wobi does? Yeah, 100%. I feel like there's also a case on that right-hand side that do you, in the in the news that Coleman might have a strain whilst being on uh, international duty with Ireland, do you play Ben Godfrey at right-back and, and sort of switch the balance to the other side and bring Mikalenko in to have that defensive solid solidity on the left-hand side and have Ben Godfrey on the right to have that pace that you can sort of get forward? So it, it definitely begs the question of, I mean... Do we have depth? We definitely have depth in defensive areas. That's There's no denying that. We could even look at Ruben Vanagra, who offers something at least. I know we've not seen much of him this season, but he's still an option there. So I feel like it's a good situation for Dice to have tactically because he's got options. And I don't think we're, we're limited to one-dimensional defensive football. I feel like there's definitely options which he can go with there. And if you look at the return of Nathan Patterson too, another option coming in at right-back, if Seamus Coleman perhaps isn't fit to play, or even if he wants to give him a rest. You know, we've got the option of Nathan Patterson there. And like you say, Godfrey can play right back. So it could even be a case of 
Godfrey plays right back for the first 60 minutes and keeps the team solid. And perhaps then you bring Patterson on if you need a bit of an injection of attacking quality and pace. So we've got more options off the bench when we come back after the international break, presuming we don't get more injuries, which I know we like to get them in international breaks. But you've also got James Garner, who adds the competition in midfield. I can't see him starting at the moment, but you know, coming off the bench, someone who can keep hold of the ball, maybe settle the fans down in a bit in those nervy moments like we had against Brentford. Yeah, I feel like injury dependent. I think the the midfield is pretty solid at the moment. You look at Amadou Onana, he had a, a good performance last night for Belgium. Even Alex Iwobi playing out on the right. Decore looks absolutely a changed player under Sean Dyche, which is really good to see. And Idris Agey looks like he's getting back to his old self, which we saw at his first spell at Everton. So I feel like the the midfield situation at the moment is pretty solid. Dwight McNeil is doing really good work down that left-hand side, and he looks like a changed player under Dyche as well. It's mad just to see how much he's changed just by by switching him from the right-hand side to the left-hand side and giving him a, a good run of games. So, yeah, I feel like the midfield is probably one of the most solid positions that we've got in the, in the pitch. The the only sort of question marks are over defence and up front, but we've not been forced into a decision that we have to play someone because of injury. And that's been a long time since Everton have had that. It's a long time since we've had options up front and options to play at the back. And we discussed it in the, uh, the Chelsea chat, didn't we? When we were talking about Chelsea, we were saying, could you perhaps use Ellis Sims in a different way uh, maybe bringing him on as a substitute, which then means when Calvert-Lewin comes back then, there's two people who can play his position. So we were talking about phasing Calvert-Lewin back in when he's fit. And if after the international break, he's maybe okay to appear on the bench, you can then bring him in on a bit more of a staggered basis so you're not throwing him in at the deep end. At least you've got the option of Damari Gray's there for the dynamic fluid fast attacker and Sims now has got a goal under his belt so he might have a bit of confidence and he brings you that physical side doesn't he yeah and you've even got Neil Mope there who you can throw on for the last five ten minutes and he will run about for a, an, an offer you something maybe not a goal but he'll offer you a little bit of a press and probably not a goal <laughs> probably not a goal but he'll offer you a little bit of energy towards the end of the game and I feel like there's another option to have so yeah, just touching back on what, on what I said before, it's it's refreshing to see Everton have squad depth and have a bit of option to for Sean Dyche. And I think it'll probably relax the squad a little bit because they know that they don't have to sort of... The weight of their shoulders isn't on everyone. They can have other people that they can rely on. So I feel like it's definitely refreshing and it only boosts squad morale and, and brings a positivity around the club. So, yeah, there is a lot of positivity around the club in the minute in terms of the on-field situation. And... In recent years against Tottenham, we've not actually done that well at home. I'm sure you remember in the FA Cup, the 5-4 in lockdown, but when there's actually been fans at Goodison, we haven't beat Tottenham at home since 2012. You'll definitely remember this game under David Moyes. Nikita Jelovic in the last minute runs into the Gladys Street too. What a day that was. What a day that was. I remember being sat in the lower Gladys for that one, right where he celebrated. The the fella who got his hat robbed was literally two rows in front of me, and that's where I used to sit as a season ticket holder. So, yeah, that was a good memory. But, yeah, it's been a little bit disappointing, hasn't it, against Spurs in recent years because we were sort of classed as an on-par on club with, with Tottenham Hotspur and also fighting for Europe. And one club has gone massive commercially and massive one way on the pitch, looking at Champions League football and they got to a Champions League final and challenging for titles. I know they've not won any trophies like Everton, but they still have had more success on the pitch than Everton. There's no denying that. And Everton have obviously been on a downward spiral towards relegation. So 
Yeah, you touched on the we've not had much success against Spurs, and I feel like that's sort of that's telling of the way that the clubs have been been going in the in the last few years. So, yeah, it's it's a bit disappointing, but yeah, good memories from that twenty twelve win. Oh, definitely, and we know that Everton really are historically as big a club as Tottenham, and luckily for them, they kind of got the injection of cash from the bail money at the right time. They come good at the right time, Tottenham, I think, because now they've been placed into this uh, top six notion, haven't they, really? Yeah, yeah. And I've seen as this huge entity that we're kind of waning a bit, even though Everton are as much of a footballing giant as Tottenham, if not more. So I think it's a shame that Tottenham have completely left us for dust. But, you know, hopefully in time we can build our way back up and hopefully we can start it on Monday by, Monday by getting a big result against them. Yeah, I feel like it does start on Monday and... I feel like if we did get the result on, on Monday, which I am a little bit confident that we will do, I think that only builds us for the rest of the season. And I wouldn't be surprised if we then went to, to Old Trafford with a bit of confidence and maybe got narrowly beaten or maybe somehow managed to, to scab a draw. So I feel like it, it'll be very telling for the rest of the season um, with confidence how we, how we get on on Monday. Well, we have said about these games, the, the trio of games that we're currently in, not win, winning everyone isn't a necessity, is it? But it would be great to pick up some points in those games because it just like lightens the pressure a bit on the games coming after that, doesn't it? You know, we did say the Fulham, Newcastle, Crystal Palace, them games are the ones that really define us. But why not take on Tottenham under the lights on a Monday, get three points, and then you're feeling so much better about everything. And I feel like I hate using the term "it's a free hit." But you kind of do think that it is because these are the games that don't define your season. I know we've not got many games left and the time is running out to get these points on the board. But I feel like this is a free hit for just Everton to go and express themselves and Sean Dyche to just go and try and get a result against the big six team. We saw it against Chelsea last week, how how well we played and how well the performance was. And even if we'd have come away from that, that game getting beat 2-1, I still feel like I would have been quite positive because the performance was, was really good. So... Yeah, the next two games, Spurs and Man United, they they don't define your season. But I feel like, as you said, it massively boosts us if, if we somehow get a result in both of them, or at least one of them. So if you were to make a prediction for Tottenham Hotspur at home on Monday night, what are you going with? Um, I'm going to go with 2-1 Everton. I, I like the like positivity. That's, I feel like that's quite bold to say, but yeah, I just feel positive after the Chelsea game. and I'm going to go 2-1 Everton, yeah. How, how about you? What's your prediction? I think I'm going to go with the famous Sean Dyche (laughs) 1-0. We like those, don't we? We like a few 1-0s. I think we've got more 1-0s than any other team since he took over. (laughs) But a win's a win, that's the thing. That's, you know, I don't mind how we pick up the points. And we've discussed before that the style Sean Dyche plays isn't boring. We're entertained by it because we create chances efficiently. Not always conventionally pretty, but it's efficient chance creation, which is entertaining. You want to see the ball in the box, don't you? And it brings us back to our argument that we had on the radio the other week that is it about winning or entertaining? And I'm, I'm certainly about about winning. Obviously, the, the situation we're in at the moment, we need points on the board. So so winning is everything. But we're winning by by being enjoyable. I'm really I'm really enjoying watching Sean Dyche's team at the moment. And I feel like he's been put in a, in a box where his style of play is like 4-4-2, defensive. But we've not seen any evidence of that. I feel like it's been really, really high chance creation and, and really, really impressive to see and we haven't even played 4-4-2 have we so that no, whole it's been, it's been completely debunked hasn't it <laughs> maybe you did that on purpose just to avoid criticism 
<laughs> so that is all from a blue corner Tottenham Hotspur preview and we're going to bring you some more previews as they come now because we have a new way of producing podcasts whether that's in the studio up in Leeds or when we're at home we can do it anywhere now can't we yeah exactly we've, we've got we've got options and yeah we get to talk about the club we love so I will tell you about our socials again I'll plug them as I'm always doing now please follow our TikTok because we've just got started on there it's a game of two halves LSR Follow our Twitter, which is Two Halves LSR, and then follow our Instagram, which is Game of Two Halves LSR without the A. Please drop us a follow on all them. Leave us a five star rating on Spotify if you enjoyed. And let us know with any feedback you have as well, because we're really enjoying doing it, but we want to hear what you think as well. Yeah, 100%. And we, we want to hear any questions you've got about Everton going forward. We'd be more than happy to answer them on the podcast. But yeah, that's all for the Blue Corner this week. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening.